Mayors in Ontario typically are elected by the whole community that they represent, but on their council have the same voting power that other councillors have who are elected to represent a portion of their community. In Ontario, that means mayors, even of the largest cities like Toronto, Ottawa, Hamilton, Mississauga, and London, were expected to build consensus around their ideas in order for them to pass. This would be much more easily done in communities like Clarington, where there are six councillors in addition to the mayor on council versus 20 to 30 in other places. The Strong Mayor's Build Better Faster Act in Ontario became law in Ontario on September 8, 2022. It gives the government the power to give communities strong mayor powers. For that, they need to have signed on a housing plan that appeals to the provincial government because they have set out house construction goals for each community in Ontario. Clarington is a prime area for growth based on location and the amount of open land that many call farmland that is available. I am Steve Ray. Welcome to Exit 425, substantial information and education that goes where you want. Adrian Foster, Mayor of Clarington, joins me today to explain the effect of strong mayor powers, the rationale for it, and how he sees that being applied in Ontario. And we'll catch up on a couple of other things. Welcome to episode 60 of Exit 425. It's good to be here. And 60 is a big number. It is a big number. It certainly was when uh, it was on a cake for me. And uh, I so I celebrate it as the uh, episode number as well. So uh, what does it mean to have strong mayor powers? And what does that mean, practically speaking, about getting bylaws approved oh, and passed? Um, yeah, probably a bigger question that I can answer. So the uh, strong mayor powers uh, impact uh, a, a really broad number of things. Uh, some of the powers I can opt uh, to use or not use. Uh, uh, there are a few shells, uh, things that I, I will do, that don't have, uh, don't have a choice, but uh, boiled right down uh, to it, it's, um, you know, supporting Supporting provincial policy, particularly around getting more houses uh, built, uh, is is probably the gist of it. Uh, although it um, it goes far deeper than that. And certainly, the fact that the strong mayor powers are outlined in the bill that includes talking about building better, faster, it's a pretty clear indication what the, the number one priority yeah. is. Are, what are the other? What are the other provincial priorities that, that may be um, may have strong air powers applied to them? So, so beyond the uh, priorities, I have the ability to uh, take a look at uh, committees, have committees, uh, which which would include our planning committee, uh, general governance committee. It's basically how we run uh, that. I've got the ability to uh, to put chairs, vice chairs on, or take chairs, vice chairs uh, off. Uh, if I so choose. The big one, of course, is around hiring staff, uh, hiring and uh, firing staff, the authority to do that, uh, and to uh, bring the budget. That's a shall, uh, is bringing the, uh, the budget uh, forward. So the, the focus is quite clearly, again, on moving forward with development. Uh, but there are some other pretty significant and possibly, uh, depending on the individual, scary pieces in that. Scary. 
Well, so so if you think of the world that I've got the ability uh, to hire or fire staff, um, so the you know if you had a, a strong mayor, uh, you know Steve, are you my buddy, and would you like to work for the town? You know, in theory, uh, I could create uh, a position for you, and you know I've I've got to tell you, it is not unusual for. Uh, for people that you know to call up and find out, hey, what's available at the town? Uh, can, you know, my, my kid needs a job or I need a job. And I have in the past had highly placed individuals uh, suggest that I fire uh, department heads. Uh, and they've also suggested the people that should uh, replace those uh, with um, with no accountability um, and and the potential to do that. Uh, could Could that be misused? Um, yeah, I think so. I, 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 I absolutely think so. So there are those who could underuse their strong mayor powers and those who could um, be overzealous about using them, um, both maybe to the detriment of their community? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's just part of human nature, right? The vast majority of mayors, uh, I'm quite sure, are, you know, are going to be responsible uh, and you're going to have one or two outliers, and we will read about the outliers on the front page of the newspapers, which should stop us from being outliers. <laughs> True. You hope. Hopefully, it it, uh, it causes greater engagement in terms of uh, you know elections. Certainly, uh, the last um, provincial and municipal election drew very small uh, voting crowds, and even the one in Toronto, the standalone by-election for mayor. Um, only drew 30%. So, you know, perhaps this might engage people a bit more in terms of um, requiring their mayors to be more responsible? Um, I, I, I don't know. I, you know, and, and I, I can't recall who it was that gave me the quote. They said, uh, heavy is the head who wears the crown. You know, and I, I love that. And I just heard it recently. Uh, don't, know, don't know who said it to me. Uh, part of the part of the challenge where we're looking at moving forward with the with the provinces prior to around uh, developing, uh, the vast majority of residents don't like development. You know, you, you bought your house and there's a field beside you, and you never want to see that that field uh, developed. the The potential is that mayors are put in a very awkward position of making a series of of difficult, uh, perhaps correct, uh, but unpopular decisions. So, so the you know the outcome at election time uh, could could be you know less less than positive. We'll put it that way. So it's um, it, it's going to be interesting. Former Mayor John Mutton seems a bit frustrated that you've said you plan to complete things using consensus, the principal tool of non-strong mayors. So it's an interesting quote. Uh, my members of council uh, don't know. Uh, because we haven't communicated, we've had a couple of uh, bits of di- uh, discussion, but they don't know what I'm doing. So, so how John Mutton knows what I'm going to do is um, uh, is a bit of a, a bit of a mystery to me. Uh, I will suggest, though, that um, you know politics is a team sport. Uh, if if any mayor on a regular basis uh, tries to override his or her council, uh, specific to to housing, which is which is where this is at, I would suggest that that mayor is going to have a very difficult time 
uh, with the other three quarters of the agenda around budgets, recreation, and whatnot. So if uh, if if you don't have support for your ideas, uh, and in, in Clarington's case, it's a difference of one vote. Uh, you still need uh, you know people to to support your your ideas on that. So there are some things that I'm doing. There are some things that I uh, that I'm not doing. Uh, I may change my mind as time goes by. So there you know there is an option to. Uh, to change what uh, what you're doing, I would um, suggest that so far on this term of council, with regards to development proposals, I can't think of any proposal that has been supported by staff that council hasn't supported. Uh, so in a you know in a world of needing those powers, it hasn't been required so far. What penalties could Clarington face, and why would we face penalties uh, if the strong mayor powers or uh, aren't used, or certain objectives aren't met? So part of it is we don't know. You know, there there are some. Uh, I'm going to say some credibility issues. Uh, you know, the big is the housing pledge, where we need to pledge to do uh, thirteen thousand. Uh, 500 homes by 2031. Um, even that, you can scratch your head. So I can tell you that right now, today, there are thousands of building permits that simply need to be picked up by developers. So all of the work has been done. Uh, we don't issue permits. The developers have to come in uh, and request the permits. Uh, but there are thousands of units that could be built starting tomorrow if the developers would pick them up. Uh, there are thousands more units uh, that are very, very close to being approved. A minimal amount of work needs to happen. The last set of numbers that I looked at, about half of the 13,500 units that we have committed to with the province uh, fall into the category of ready to go uh, or ready to go uh, incredibly quickly. Uh, and, you know, what is lost in this is we could have 13,000 units ready to go today, we don't build anything. So if the developers don't step up, step up if they can't find the staff, uh, the material, or simply aren't willing to develop, uh, we can have all of those units ready to go uh, and, and they could sit there dormant for, uh, for 10 years. Uh, there are some restrictions on uh, completed applications, how quickly uh, we, uh, we need to process them before we give money back. Uh, that, again, is a source of frustration where I have no mechanism that uh, if we get a complete application, we need to give money back to the developers. Uh, but again, they're under under no uh, obligation uh, to to develop quickly. So we could uh, rush and hurry and push other stuff aside. And 10 years from now, a developer might actually decide to put a, a shovel in the ground. Uh, the other, I suppose, is uh, if... If staff or council don't agree with an application, uh, developers could take us to the board, which they've always been able to. Uh, we lose at the board. You know, there are some court costs associated with that. Um, again, you know, it, it's essentially going in front of court. Court cases are never a slam dunk, uh, you know, in some cases. And I suppose that's where the, you know, the, the, the powers come into play that if, if council is playing politics, that the mayor could step up and say, look, staff are, are agreeing with us. It, it fits with, uh, you know, all of the policies, all of our rules. Um, 
But again, so far, this term of council, uh, that, that has not been problematic. Does this act and several associated with it represent reduced autonomy for municipalities and maybe seems a bit like some bully tactics on the province's part? Um, I don't know that it's it's bully tactics, but, uh, you know, again, with the strong mayor's powers, uh, you, you do have the potential problem where the uh, municipality's interests end up being completely aligned with the province's interests. And that's not always the case. Uh, you know, cookie cutter approaches don't work. So uh, what the province believes is a tremendous idea. Uh, you know, our residents and our council uh, may not believe that it's a great idea. And, and there is an expectation that a strong mayor is going to step up and support uh, the province's uh, policies every time. Uh, the other very real uh, potential is that, you know, under the strong mayor's powers, uh, developers are going to put a huge amount of pressure on, and I expect this to happen, uh, if if there are parts of an application that we might want to see amended, we may want to see things done differently, which usually means a little bit more expensive, but to the betterment of the community. Uh, you know, will the developers see an easy path forward to getting an approval by putting pressure on a mayor uh, and a couple of councillors. Uh, and uh, I, I'd be quite surprised if that doesn't happen. In Clarington, we have an opportunity to do things differently. And, uh, you know, we've seen incredible growth all around the, the GTHA, I suppose. Um, and so because of the nature of our, our community, uh, we do have a lot of um, development opportunities that, again, we might be able to do better and however better is defined. And so do you see these things maybe limiting those things if we don't, we don't share ideas with developers and, and they don't really like our ideas here? So I guess the easy answer is um, it depends. Uh, so not, not all developers are created equally. Uh, you know, there, there are some developers that, uh, you know, and, and you know the people that are front and center in the community, they live in the community, uh, or they've been dealing with the community for a number of years, uh, and they, they have a, uh, I'm going to suggest, a, a, a sense of belonging. And while they're all in it to make money, um, they, uh, they also understand that there is a responsibility to the community. Uh, there are other developers, uh, not so much. The the focus is, uh, to my mind, uh, purely on on making money, coming to town and, and building what they can. So we're looking at some of the more recent changes, uh, which uh, you know won't require a municipal comprehensive review to expand urban boundaries. Uh, you know our expansion already of urban boundaries. Uh, we've spoken about this. There's a little bit of flack on that that uh, that we opened a lot of. A lot of land for potential and emphasizing potential development. Uh, you know, do we need more? Uh, to my mind, no. Uh, you know, we, we can satisfy all that we need, uh, that housing pledge and, and far more uh, without all that we have uh, today. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm reading that uh, density uh, outside of the major uh, transit areas uh, is no longer going to come in. So, you put the two of them together and the potential for a significant sprawl uh, exists where, 
rightly so, people don't want density beside their house. Well, another development comes in, uh, you know, it, it, it takes, uh, it puts more of the onus on us, uh, which, you know, given public pressure, because everyone likes density, but as long as it's not beside them, right? Uh, everyone likes development as long as it's not beside them. And that's just human nature. And it goes back to our uh, conversation before this was that everything is local. All politics are local and, you know, and we care most when it's right next to us or it's in front of us or somehow it's affecting our day-to-day existence. So. Yeah, I mean, if, if you look at when there, when there is a, uh, you know, an application in front of us, the people who come to chambers live immediately around that application. Uh, you know, it is almost never that someone who lives in Newcastle says, hey, I noticed you're building this in Bowmanville. And it's for exactly that reason. It, it doesn't have a, a direct impact on us, right? It's, um, again, human nature. We're, we're strange creatures. We really are. Strange but predictable most of the time, aren't we? Uh, yeah. Um, have you had discussions about all this with our MPPs, uh, Pacini and McCarthy? Um, I haven't. Uh, I'm having a meeting tomorrow, as a matter of fact, with uh, MPP McCarthy. Uh, we'll talk about, uh, you know, what, uh, what what I'm going to do and not going to do. But, uh, you know, more more the dialogue with uh, with either one of them, those gentlemen, is, is going to be around getting the hospital done. Uh, what are we doing to, you know, there, there are some big files. So this is, this is of interest, but um, some of those big files that we are absolutely working on. Some time ago, in fact, January this year, we talked about clarity around development charges, which the province took away in an effort to speed up uh, house construction and to make it more affordable, ostensibly, which will mean the development generated by this and other acts will be paid for by current residents, unless the province has a plan. Has anyone revealed their plan to you? No, we're still looking for clarity. It's, uh, it's funny, I, I had a chat with uh, one of the directors from the Greenbelt Foundation that uh, the province is talking about making uh, municipalities whole. Uh, we, we don't have uh, exact uh, details or definitions on that. Durham Region just passed their development charge bylaw, which over the next, uh, I guess it's going to be five years, would see a doubling of development charges. And as, as you know, the region looks at the cost of growth, they, they work everything backwards uh, so that in theory, growth pays for growth. But uh, if the province challenges that, and they could on the basis that it makes houses more expensive, the, the problem is uh, anything that growth doesn't pay for uh, hits your property taxes. We, we need to spend the money and building another water pollution control plant or a water treatment plant is not an option. Uh, you know, you, you need to build them. So there are some really big ticket items out there that have to be built. And if, if we can't collect the money on development charges, there's only one other option. And uh, sewage treatment and water pollution facilities uh, aren't as much fun as arenas and gymnasiums and pools. So um, does that mean that we're just going to continue to hold on recreation facilities in Clarington? Um, so we, uh, so my, um, my wish is no, uh, we are working on a couple of plans as, as we've talked about earlier, the cost of the uh, South Bowmanville arena came in and, and it was just exorbitant. We, uh, uh, we were, we were shocked 
uh, in a dismal way uh, when we saw the price tag on that. And that was a combination of COVID inflation and the reality that you're not sure about the development charges, right? Uh, so the development charge is much later, but yes, uh, you know, we look at, at collecting fewer DCs for, for that and other things. And then uh, COVID inflation was a, was a huge, uh, a huge part of that. Uh, so council uh, will be looking at what they can do, what we can deliver. Uh, you know, the idea of a rec facility is not off the table. Uh, if I had to guess, and I am just guessing at this point in time, uh, you know, it, Nothing, nothing as grandiose or expensive as as what that is, but but we recognize that we need to deliver uh, opportunities for recreation, uh, you know, to our to our residents. Uh, as as we look at the the growth that we're talking about, thirteen thousand five hundred new houses in ten years, about double the rate of growth that we had over the last ten years, and we're already the fastest or one of the fastest growing municipalities uh, in Ontario. I you know, we, we talk about arenas, rec facilities, libraries not being being more fun than maybe a water pollution control plant, but but the reality is they are just as necessary. We we can't we can't cram more people uh, into smaller settings uh, without providing that outlet, the green spaces, the uh, things to do. I mean, uh, not being able to do that, not doing it, is is a recipe for disaster. And if we learned anything during the pandemic, we should have learned that. Mayor, thank you so much for uh, for answering those questions for me. I have uh, one more difficult question for you. Uh-huh. Um, your best, what's your best summer activity that was unavailable during the height of the pandemic? Oh boy, um, yeah. So i've I've got to uh, I've got to say for for a very short while during the height of the pandemic. Uh, I couldn't go up to Mosport uh, and be an idiot on the track. Uh, so there, uh, there was a, which was dumb because you're in your car by yourself. Who, who are you going to infect? Uh, but, but there were a number of, uh, a number of lapping days where, you know, you can get up uh, and throw yourself around in, in, in circles as quickly as, as seems appropriate. So that's all back and, well, it's back. The fellowship is back. You know, you, you know. When I go up there, uh, a bunch of like-minded uh, gearheads. Uh, it's it, it's good to be back. That's awesome, and it's it's nice to hear how people are embracing sometimes new activities, but certainly the ones that have meant a lot to them uh, as we kind of emerge slowly through the last little bit of this pandemic situation. Yeah, what is it? You don't know what you got till it's gone. That song, uh, so true. You know, and yeah. yeah, and you know, honestly, stuff that we took for granted. I, I think we, um, you know, we learned we shouldn't be taking that stuff for granted. It's great to see the number of people that are walking. Um, uh, usually, they're not too impressed when you know the big fella here comes uh, riding down on his bike down the pathway. But uh, you know, everybody's getting along. There's never been anything. Uh, you know, bad happen. So, but, uh, it's, it's great to see the number of people that are out walking their dogs and just walking and out cycling and doing all those things, uh, again, again, in some cases for the first time. So it's, well, uh, it, is, it, it is such a, you know, we, we've got such an amazing community. If you look at the walking trails, conservation areas, the, you know, uh, down at the, uh, the waterfront, the, the trails that we put in a lot of new trails, the cycling paths, uh, 
you know, what, what, what a shame that we don't think to use what's right at our front door. Totally. And, uh, you know, here's where we'll put the plug in for, uh, better access by trail down to the, the Curtis Shores lakefront area. You know, our, our amazing provincial park that we've got down there and the second marsh that's all connected. And, uh, you know, what a wonderful, what a wonderful opportunity we have there before development maybe snuffs out some of the, uh, the possibilities. So, so the trick isn't so much development and, and you've, you know, I've cycled down there, Dar- down to Darlington Park. So the, uh, the issue there is the 401. Uh, so if you've ever done that ride, uh, riding under uh, the, the bridge, uh, Curtis Road and 401, uh, that is the absolute worst part. Uh, and you're right. So we've got, you know, we've got the potential for trails, uh, ravines. Can you imagine uh, selling a house? Uh, you know, that backs on or is close to backing on to one of the ravines that heads down that way and being advertised uh, that a 15-minute bike ride and you can have a picnic with your kid on the beach. Uh, and, you know, it's all doable. Uh, so the, the 401, and the good news is we're, uh, we are having that discussion, that dialogue now uh, to see what is what is possible, what's doable. Uh, but uh, it, it's right there, so easy to get to. Uh, and, uh, sadly without a car, I, I would, I would never, uh, I would never take a, a young kid either. that, that'd just be crazy, uh, under there. So, uh, so we're talking about it. We're, you know, trying to figure that one out. And that's positive. And for, uh, those who are listening, who are unfamiliar, if you find the YouTube video exit 425, the reasons why it's a cinematic masterpiece on my part. <laughs> that's one of the things that we, I, I talk about is uh, that it's worth your life to go under that bridge. And uh, for seasoned cyclists, I'm, I'm, I've got a lot of kilometers on the saddle and there's a, a couple storm sewer covers there that uh, will, will challenge your ability to uh, not weave into traffic, but uh, it's, it's basically worth your life to go under, under that bridge. And the, the sad part is that, if it was to continue on without some sort of help or change, then really the only reason you'll be going down south of the 401 on that road is to get onto 401 eastbound, or you're in a truck yourself and you're delivering, you know, garbage to the incinerator or something to one of the, the businesses down there. So hopefully things will change, and it's nice to hear that that is a priority. Yeah, well, and, and we're we're still uh, working towards that uh, that waterfront park. So that is uh, by no means, uh, you know, that's by no means on the back burner. And uh, I look forward to talking to you some more about that on the podcast and, and outside of it as well. So, um, Adrian Mayor Foster, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Exit Four Twenty Five yeah. to help us understand strong mayors and and several other things. What's the best way for people to reach you? Uh, so uh, email is the best. Mayor at Clarington.net is the uh, the best. The absolute worst way is social media. So I, I haven't been on social media in a few months. It's like an extended vacation. Uh, so uh, mayor at Clarington.net, please, is, is the best way. I haven't had our fix of daily humor from Mayor Foster on Facebook for a long time. You know, I actually need to, get, I, I need to get back on, and I just need to have the discipline that I post it, and I don't get sucked into that vortex of social media and find out that I've spent two hours 
month. So, so I'll make a commitment that come September, I will start posting really bad humor again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Exit 425. Please like and subscribe on whatever platform you use. Our mission is to provide substantial information and education that goes where you want. Exit 425 is a production of Studio 38 Audio, copyright 2023. My name is Steve Ray. If you have questions or would like more information about Exit 425, join our Exit 425 Facebook group. Check out Facebook and Instagram or email me at exit425401 at gmail.com.